over 100 million customers had their data stolen. And that included social security numbers for over 100,000 people. Uh, those same social security numbers were linked to bank account numbers and other personal information uh, in both the US and in Canada. And it wasn't even until July that Capital One said they found out yeah. about it and then reported it. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on this episode, we have another question for one of our listeners. Yeah, this question comes in from Diane from Frisco, Texas, so let's listen in on her question. Hey, David Leo, this is Diane from Frisco, Texas. I uh, first want to say thank you so much for putting all this great content together. I truly love just hearing these episodes and the solid advice you guys have been giving over time. So I just want to say thank you so much for that. My question is, uh, with all the media coverage and Equifax and Capital One, what are some recommendations that you can throw out and ways that we can protect ourselves financially? I love that question. Thank you, Diane, for asking it. And let's look at the two things that she mentions, Capital One and Equifax. But I also want to take this opportunity to talk about some of the common scams mm -hmm. that are also out there. Uh, because this is something that I've actually wanted to talk about for quite some time on the show. I know people who've been personally affected by scams, either through Craigslist or mm -hmm. renting a home yep. or a phone scam. And so let's look at these data breaches and some of the major security issues. But let's also just talk about some common scams. Yeah, I mean, the most important thing that we have to worry about is our information, right? I mean, especially when you're talking about an organization like Equifax. This is one of the three companies that gather our information and use it to basically determine whether we're uh, somebody that's going to pay their bills, whether we're worthy of credit. Uh, and so it's interesting to me that not only, obviously, Equifax, but even Capital One, that this information would be available, somebody would steal it. And we're talking about social security numbers, a lot of information that could really put people in a, in a really bad situation. So I think it's something we need to talk about because it's becoming more and more relevant uh, to what we're dealing with and every day. And most of our transactions are now done either online or electronically. Uh, I don't know the last time I used cash, to be honest. And that's the scary part about this electronic uh, society that we live in where everything financial is done through uh, computers and online. And there are people out there that their main job is to figure out how to steal that information from you. So let's talk about some of the things that we can do to protect ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about the scams and what you can do to protect yourself. And the first one that's mentioned is Capital One. And just at the beginning of this year, March of 2019, over 100 million customers had their data stolen. And that included social security numbers for over 100,000 people. Uh, those same social security numbers were linked to bank account numbers and other personal information uh, in both the US and in Canada. And it wasn't even until July that Capital One said they found out yeah. about it and then reported it. That makes uh, it even so worse, four months. Oh, yeah. That's oh so gosh. frustrating. Four months that these thieves have our information. Mm -hmm. And this is Capital One. It's a, it's a big bank. Yes. Uh, this is the kind of company that you expect to protect your data. You mentioned earlier that the other one that Diane mentioned was Equifax. Mm -hmm. Equifax gathers data on every person in the entire country yep. for all of their credit. And so 
they gather credit history and information for everyone. Their whole job is gathering data, not, not even banking and not even uh, lending and borrowing. Their job is gathering data. Yep. And then they had this massive, massive breach back in 2017. Mm -hmm. And now, two years later, after 147 million people were affected, yep. uh, now two years later, they're finally getting to the class action settlement <laughs> and saying, okay, we're going to start to do something about this. But Equifax still denies any wrongdoing. And everyone knows what they did was horrible. Like yep. the the fact yep. that this stuff got out, uh, the fact that it wasn't taken care of sooner, the fact that they didn't report it as soon as they found out all right. these issues. Uh, so the Federal Trade Commission, uh, they agreed last week that it was going to be somewhere between 575 million to 700 million the mm -hmm. Equifax pays, uh, which I haven't looked at it, but I'd love to see what they actually earn in revenue in yeah, a year and what their profits are in a year. I should have looked it up. Maybe we'll grab that later. But um, the FTC said that because there's been an overwhelming response of people that want to do the settlement, and one of the offers in the settlement is that whoever was affected can get a $125 check from Equifax as part of the settlement. So if you were affected, they say, oh, you can have up to $125, or you can have uh, many years of credit monitoring service, four years through mm -hmm. Equifax or through Experian, and then another six years through Equifax. So they give you these options, but so many people started taking the $125 option Hmm. that the amount that they had set aside for the settlement, which was $31 million out of the $700 million. So A, they're going to pay $700 million, but only $31 million was set aside to reimburse people, not reimburse, but to uh, give people cash or give people a check that were affected by this. Now, there are some other pieces to it too. There, If you um, had data that was stolen and you had to go through a process uh, and you had actual financial damages, you, some of that money is going to be used for those things too. But a lot of people jumped onto this $125. I know I was one of them. I saw it come through. I said, okay, I can either have credit monitoring service or I can have $125. And I opted for the $125, mm -hmm. but I didn't read the fine print. <laughs> and the fine print said it was up to $125. And so now, supposedly, they're, they're going to have an administrator that calls each person or that reaches out via email and confirms your choice. And when they reach out to me to confirm my choice of $125, I'm going to change that because that $125 uh, is going to end up being dramatically smaller. Well, I actually did the math. So if you have 147 million people, and I actually only did 145. There was an additional 2 million recently, but the 145.5 million people that were initially affected, and out of those, if everyone claimed that $125, and there was only 31 million that was set aside, this is the interesting part about that settlement, is that only 31 million was set aside for so actually sad. paying people. Yeah. 145 people. Thirty-one million dollars. Yeah, hundred forty-five okay, million. Let's do people. the math, right? Yeah. So, so if everybody claims that, everybody gets, drum roll, <laughs> twenty-one cents. Twenty-one cents. <laughs> so it's ridiculous. That's crazy. Yep. I mean, so they're they're saying you will get up to one hundred and twenty-five. 
but it but be you're a lot almost less than that. guaranteed to not get the 125. Yeah, no way. So just be aware of this. I didn't realize it till I read through the the fine print uh, when we started getting ready for this episode. I was researching, learning, mm-hmm. and I was actually really upset. I was like, it, the, it's false advertising. Yes. They made it look like, hey, we're sorry, we're going to give you 125 dollars because we lost your social security number. You know, we have major data breach of your personal information. And so, hey, we're going to give you 125 bucks. The $125 wasn't worth it, but it was something. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, by the way. Here's we, your 21 cents. Yeah, you get 21 <laughs> cents out of it. So we don't know the exact number it's going to be, but we know that it's going to be lower. And I think it's really sad. Uh, if anything, I'll probably switch back over to the credit monitoring service now mm-hmm. uh, when the opportunity arises. But I just think it's really sad. The There's a senator um, named Ron uh, Wyden, and he said this is another clear failure by the FTC. Yeah. The fact that they apportioned just $31 million for the reimbursement of that expense. So it was kind of sad. Uh, I don't think the FTC realized how many people were going to want the $125 versus the years of credit monitoring. Um, and it's hard to say what's going to be more valuable because there are free credit monitoring services out there. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it was a little bit frustrating the way well, that landed. I also struggle with the idea of, of using their specific credit yeah, monitoring when right. they've already... They've already Let lost my information our data. get out right. there. So do I want to trust you not to monitor my information when you obviously somebody was able to get 147 million people were affected by this data breach? So I don't know. That that's really what occurred to me when I plugged in my number and realized, okay, I'm affected as well. And I had that option. I thought, well, gosh, I mean, can I trust them with the information? Well, no, but I don't have a choice. They already have it. But I didn't want to take the monitoring because I thought, well, you're doing a terrible job monitoring in the first place. Why right, I, right. Why would I want you to then give me the option to look at it? I don't know. I just, it didn't make sense to me. And I think most people, and in fact, there was a lot of uh, social media uh, hype and everything about that. One Democratic senator actually got on there and said, hey, file for this thing. So millions of people have already done it. Right, That's what right. I said. There's no I, it was way all over Facebook and social media. That's how I found out about it is yeah. a friend posted it on social media. And I remember the Equifax breach. We've talked about it on the podcast, mm-hmm. but I didn't even know about it till I saw it on social media. Yep. But it went all across social media. Everybody wanted their hundred and twenty-five dollars, exactly. Which means that almost everybody's going to get one dollar or less. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but we can see already that it's not going to play out in the way that we would hope. Uh, so I love Diane's question. She's saying, "Look." Uh, Capital One, uh, uh, somebody that we would think we could trust as a bank, Equifax, somebody who gathers our data for a living. I would think we could trust these people. David and Leo, what do we do? Mm -hmm. So Leo, what are some of the things that people can do to begin to protect their financial information? And then once we go through a few things that we can do, Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about other common scams that we've seen. Yeah, I I think there's some basic things that as we say, you're going to think, well, duh, I mean, that's obviously what I'm going to do that. But there are some things that we know we're supposed to do, and we still tend to engage in behavior that actually puts us at more risk. So the number one thing, I think, especially as you're thinking about some of the transactions that you're going to do online, is just to be careful with your passwords. Make sure you choose the right passwords. Uh, I know too many people who use just basic passwords. I mean, password one, two, three, four. I mean, just ridiculous. And we tend to use also the same password on all different sites. So if somebody finds out the password to one site, then obviously that opens the door for them to use it another one. So it's, you know, it sounds simple, but making sure your passwords from your email and financial logins are complex 
uh, it's really, really important. It's, it's kind of the key to keeping you safe online. Yeah. Well, just this week, uh, Ashley and I had our Netflix account hacked mm. by, I, I think it was like in Brazil and then some other country. Uh, we had logins from multiple countries. And so she called Netflix and got it resolved. But we remembered that, you know, we hadn't changed our password on that account in years and years and years, like since we first got married. Yeah. And we had created a very simple password. It, it was still multiple digits, but it was overall very simple. Yep. And we were just like, oh my goodness, it's been so many years. We didn't even think to change it because you automatically are logged in every time. Mm-hmm. And so be aware. It may be time to go back. Uh, when you first started creating passwords, your passwords may not have been very secure. Mm-hmm. You've probably learned some things in the past five years. You've probably become more savvy as a consumer on the internet. So learn, go back and change the passwords on some of those old accounts. Yeah, and nowadays your computers will constantly ask you, I know Google does this, will ask you if you want to remember the password. And it's easy for us to just go in and do that because it's easy to log in. It's, you know, it's, it's just, it's simple. So we want to simplify this process. But understand that if you simplify the process at a point where somebody can get a hold of your computer or can log into it or even hack into it, um, all of that information is going to be available to this person. They can get into your savings accounts, into your investment accounts, uh, everything. And pretty soon you, you might end up having nothing in the bank. And so it's, it, it is really important that you realize how quickly your information right. can be compromised. And so this is why we're doing the show is, you know, something as simple as passwords uh, is the key to a lot of that information. So I yeah. would say... Number one is if you're going to be online and going to be purchasing things online, and I don't know anybody that doesn't these days, you have to make sure that your passwords are secure. Even I would even recommend getting some kind of a service that just scrambles and gives you different passwords. So you log into one site and every time they log into a different thing, we'll just randomly choose a password. And so it's constantly changing. There are services out there. Yes, they cost money, but what's easier, spending 30 to $60 a year or having your financial information stolen and potentially having some of your finances uh, taken away. Yeah, there's a lot of great password management services out there. Mm -hmm. So just Google password management services, and you can see a ton of great ways to do this. Uh, But just start by having a unique password that includes capitalizations, Mm -hmm. um, that includes exclamation marks or letters, numbers, uh, the different marks that are above the numbers, you know, put in the the hyphen or put in the percentage sign Mm -hmm. or the dollar sign add some unique things so that your password uh, isn't easy for a computer to generate by just running numbers and attacking your password Um, the next thing that you can do is ignore unknown Mm. phone calls yeah Uh, and be just aware when you're on the phone that you might if you don't know the person personally that you're talking to or even if you do know them you don't know what they're going to do with your information when you hang up. So be aware yeah. when you're on the phone and don't just answer the phone when it's a number you don't recognize uh, or you can see it's out of state and it's something that you probably isn't for you. Um, scammers can spoof their numbers to make it look like it's coming from a certain company. Uh, spammers can now make it look like their phone call is coming from the same area code that you live in mm-hmm. and the same first three digits of your phone number. Right. So if your phone number begins with uh, 321, they can say, oh, this is from your same area code, 321, and the last four numbers, it'll be unique. 
but it seems like it must be somebody you know because the scammers have changed it to make it look like it's coming from nearby. So just be aware. Uh, if it's a suspect call, ignore it. Don't open it up. Uh, if you do pick up, then they know you're a real person and they'll keep scamming you. They'll call from other numbers. They'll try this from different angles. So one thing you can do is just to ignore some of those unknown phone numbers. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I've noticed recently with my, uh, with my own personal uh, mobile phone is that I get these calls that, as you said, David, they're the same area code as mine. The, usually the first three digits are the same as mine or the same every time they call. So what they're doing is they're really hijacking people's numbers and then allowing, you know, calling through them, obviously, and pretending to be someone they're not. And as soon as you pick it up, you realize who it is. Another thing that I've noticed is instead of, it actually says underneath the number, United States. Like this number's from the United States. And I'm like, well, the United States isn't calling me, <laughs> whoever it is. But it's, so there's sometimes some clues or some things that will let you know. But just the safest thing is if you don't know who it is, then just don't answer it. Let it go to voicemail. If they leave you a voicemail and it's somebody that you need to call back, you can call back in, in a minute. So it's not a big deal. It's just a reality of what we face today. Mm -hmm. And even though you're on a no-call list, all of that, it happens. I think, oh, the, yeah. I think the important thing for us to do, I know it's an extra step, but report those numbers to the uh, FCC. I mean, it's important that we start fighting back with some of these things. I know it's a hassle. It's something you have to do in the middle of your day, and it's not something you planned on doing. But as long as these people are not prosecuted, they'll continue to do it. So yeah. we need to make it painful for them to do that. Yeah. Don't provide your credit card number, your bank account information, any personal information to a caller that you don't have a personal relationship with. And even then always be cautious. Uh, don't send money. If the caller asks you to wire money or pay through a prepaid card, you just have to be extremely aware. Once these people get you on the phone, mm -hmm. They are professionals at pulling money out. Oh, yeah. That's what they've decided to do and even if for a living. Not, yeah, and even if it's not, not just money, if it's just personal information that the bank can use right. to get into your personal information. Right. So. so they'll call and say that you've won a free vacation package. And so now you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've won something. This is exciting. Mm -hmm. And and okay, I'll give them my name, my number, my address. Uh, and then they say, okay, in order to secure this, we just need to put a $49 deposit down <laughs> just to make sure everything is fine. Give me your card. Or they'll say a $15 deposit just to secure the, the docking fee or whatever it is. And in that moment, it doesn't matter what number they say, they're just trying to get your credit card. Right. And then then they'll create a sense of urgency and say, well, th this is the last chance. You're actually one of the last people to win this. You know, the ship is actually going to be you know, leaving soon, or this is the last week to redeem this. And so they will do everything they can to extract that information from you. Uh, they might see, say that you've won a free you know, product trial and say, look, we're going to give this to you for free for six months, but we need to secure your credit card now uh, for when that six months lapse. We won't charge you though, if you don't want to keep moving forward. But once they get your card, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So be aware. Yep. Uh, they are going to do everything they can to pull that out. Another thing to consider is always shop on secure sites. Before you enter any sensitive information on a website, uh, like your credit card number or uh, on a store's website, take a look at the browser. If the web address starts with HTTPS instead of HTTP, that means that you know it's a secure site. The S actually stands for secure and ensures that all your communication with the website is encrypted. Uh, so pay attention to that. It'll sometimes say not secure, and sometimes yeah. it won't. So it may not grab your attention, so be careful before That's you enter. That's so interesting to me. Always take a look up in that top left corner, mm -hmm. HTTP. 
S. Right. I, I didn't realize before. It's just one letter and most S, people would never recognize right. it. You would know, but it stands for security. That's a big mm -hmm. deal. Yeah, smaller sites may not give you that option. So it's, it's a good idea to, to shop with the bigger retailers that have that encryption on their site because then your information will be uh, safe. The other thing that I just don't like, which is for them to ask you to save that information, your credit card information, all of that. And I always like, nope, you're not keeping my information on file for somebody else to steal later. So it's just a practice for me. I'd never, ever allow my personal information to be saved on a server. Yeah. And they, they ask you that. Do you yeah. want to save it for later? Because they can't just save it. Right. Yeah. I was buying air filters for the house and bought several of them online. Mm -hmm. And then it said, do you want to check out as a guest or do you want to log in and yep. save your account? And I was like, no, I do not want to save my credit card information on your website. Even if it is secure today, some of the most secure websites in the world yeah. have problems. So I'm going to limit my liability, limit the risk uh, by only doing it with some company that I really trust. But just as a general rule, I'm not going to save my credit card on a website. Yeah, another thing to consider is, let's say you're in an airport or you're somewhere on vacation in a restaurant, whatever, and you pull out your computer, you want to get some work done, and you get on a, on the public Wi-Fi, you know, Starbucks, whatever, wherever you are, realize that any personal information you enter on a public Wi-Fi is susceptible to being stolen. So just be careful with that. Don't Don't allow that to be something that you normally do. I know a lot of us like to go to Starbucks and get some work done sometimes and get out of the home or, or get out of the office where it's less distracting. Um, but my recommendation is use a secure, uh, maybe use your phone hotspot in order to oh, do that. Yeah. Some way that, that's encrypted and it's secure rather than just an open Wi-Fi uh, that's available. Yeah, it's pretty incredible what people are able to do to extract information from unsecure Wi-Fi. Uh, you can sit, people can sit in a car across the street and pull that information because it's streaming through the air. Yeah. And so they can intercept that signal uh, with different devices and they can pull that. So just be aware that's out there. Uh, don't use unsecure Wi-Fi to do financial transactions Especially and buy that. things. Uh, that's just crazy. You know, if you want to go back to just being really simple, some of the basic things you can do is just focus on what you're carrying with you mm -hmm. and how you're paying and the type of people that you're interacting with when you do buy something. So uh, one, you know, just keep one or two credit cards with you at any given time. Don't carry 10 cards with you because if something goes wrong and that information gets stolen or you get mugged, you've got to clean up 10 credit cards versus one yeah. or two. Yeah. Uh, limit the amount of cash that you carry on you. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have any cash, but limit it. Don't carry extravagant amounts. You know, Be aware of what's in your purse or in your wallet. Um, and then we're talking so much about online security, but what about when you're shopping in person, mm -hmm. you know, and you're doing something on Craigslist or uh, you're just connecting with somebody um, for at a, at a garage sale? Yeah. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of how much you have on you and the risk that represents. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, even as simple as using cash. For instance, if you use a service such like Craigslist and you end up doing a cash transaction, which most people will do. You know, something as simple as having one of these ink uh, pens that allowed you to to put a stripe on the oh, dollar, yeah. you know, on the dollar Yeah, they have them at every grocery store. They yeah. always, if you put a 50 down, they always ink it and check to see if it's real. Yeah, and what they're doing is they're just checking it. There's a difference between the, the fake paper, which is made out of, I think, uh, I forget, I think it's carbon paper. But the other one, the one that the government uses is fiber. It's yeah. Made out of fiber. Yeah. So it'll leave a distinct mark. So once you know 
simply just by using that pen, you can know whether that, that bill is safe or not. I mean, you could be selling something like a used vehicle, maybe a table or some kind of furniture, and you're selling it maybe for a several hundred, maybe a thousand dollars or more. And now you're going to get paid either in 50 or $100 or $20 bills. And if all that money is fake, you just walked away with nothing and yeah. gave away that asset. So it's just, it's simple and it's not something that I ever worried about before, but I do now because there are too many people out there that are looking to make a quick free buck Yeah, uh, from our, unfortunately, the fact that we're not being diligent enough. Yep. Uh, whenever you go to make a purchase with your credit card or your debit card, now let's say you're at a gas station, just check the plastic that is around the place where you insert the card. Mm -hmm. uh, there are credit card skimmers, which are placed over yeah. that insert. And it just simply looks like it's part of it, but it reads the credit card as it goes in and it reads it as it goes out. Mm -hmm. um, this doesn't happen too often, but when it happens, it can totally mess with your finances. Yeah. So check that uh, when you're at the gas station, just, just, be aware of your surroundings. If you're going to use your debit card to take money out of the bank, uh, do it at your bank. Right. You know, do it at one of your banking. If you do it uh, at an ATM that's in a gas station or in a public yeah, place, public place yeah. those are the places that are most likely to have one of these skimmers on it because it's easier for the thief to come and add that when nobody is looking versus banks are looking for this. They are checking to make sure that there's not a skimmer on their ATM. And so the financial institutions know. Well, it's also hard at a bank. If you think about a typical bank, you either have your ATM drive up or you have a ATM that's usually inside or on the side of the building. Yeah, right on the side. And there's security there, you know, all the there's time. There's cameras. And there's yep. cameras all the time. So criminals are not going to go into a place where they're likely to be monitored. They're going to go somewhere where there's very little chance that they're they're going to be videotaped as they're doing this. Right. Um, years ago, uh, we were going on a cruise out of Galveston, so we drove down there. And on the way back, I think it was on the way back, we stopped at, I think it was a, a restaurant to get something to eat and get some gas. And a year, almost a year later to the day, I ended up having $500 taken out of my checking account. I would always use my debit card for, yeah. for gas. I didn't like using credit cards back then, so I would just use a debit card. And plus you had the pin, so I just felt it was more secure. Right. But they used one of these skimmers. Got my information, wow. including the pin. Yeah. But the interesting thing is they didn't use it until almost a year later. That's unique. They held on to it for a year before yeah. they used it. And, you know, if you think about it, a lot of gas stations today have cameras. Right. So if they're going to activate it within a day or two, then it's very easy to find those people. Right, who right? did it, when they did Where it. Where if it's right. a year later, who's going to have a video of a year ago? Well, and that's the difficulty with these Equifax and Capital One breaches, mm -hmm. is that once your social security or your credit card information has been stolen, yeah. it's getting passed around and sold by thieves. Yeah. Like yeah. It, You're never going to recapture that level of safety. And so that $125 pittance mm -hmm. or like the four years of, you know, credit monitoring by another service and then oh don't worry we'll monitor it for the next six years by equifax yeah. it all of a sudden it just becomes like okay guys you've messed up with something that's very important and very expensive so the biggest thing that i can recommend is to monitor your own credit yes. that you would have access to websites like credit karma mm -hmm. that you would annually go to annualcreditreport.com and that you would look at your own credit report on annualcreditreport.com and that you would look at your own score on Credit Karma, because if you will go on every month, every two weeks, and you'll see what's happening, you're, you are effectively monitoring your own 
credit. If you can see a new bank account opened in your name or not a bank account, but a credit card opened in your name or a new loan opened in your name, then you're monitoring it. You can call to have that account closed and say that wasn't authentic. So it is good to have other people monitor it. You can pay for that monitoring service, but we want you as a consumer to be aware of what's going on around you and for you to be proactive. Know your credit score. Know know what, where it stands and look for dramatic changes. Like if I looked at my credit score, I know what it is and how incrementally it's gone up over the past couple of years. And if it dropped by 10 or 20 points or somehow went up, dramatically, I would know. And because I've got my eyes on it fairly consistently. So be looking for that. A lot of banks now offer free monitoring activity. Uh, Credit Karma will email you and give you an alert if you want anytime that your activity bumps a certain amount. So it's not hard to do this, but you do have to be aware. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things is, as you said, David, is to stay engaged with your financial information. Uh, It's interesting that this question came in today because literally over the weekend, we had really one of two credit cards that we have, one that we've had since 1990. So for the last 29 years, we've had this credit card, Natalie and I, and we had two charges on it that were from somebody trying to go on a really nice trip from what we can gather um, (laughs) because there were two plane tickets or at least two charges made. One was for, for an airline that it said the name and the other one was just a carrier. It just said air carrier. Um, but one was a 1900 and change, and the other was over $800. So over $2,700 that was charged to our credit card by someone. Wow. And this is very rarely that's ever happened to us. But here's the thing, that, and why I wanted to bring it up, is that as soon as I found out, which is I check my, my uh, bank statements and my credit cards and update my budget about every two to three days. No longer than a week goes by before I plug those numbers in. And so it, the last time I did it was maybe three or four days earlier. So when this came up, I happened to actually look at it the day after it actually went on. Now, it was still pending. It didn't actually charge. It was still pending. So I called the bank, of course. I told them what's going on. They were able to very quickly take those off and start the distribution process. They uh, mailed us, FedExed us a new uh, set of credit cards, got them within less than 24 hours, actually. And so the fact that I kept track of things and I kept on top of my financial situation, right. helped me to see this problem before it became an actual problem. I won't have to pay. I won't have to worry about it. The credit cards company is going to take care of that. And that's something actually we do recommend. If you're going to do online shopping, it's better to use a credit card these days because it comes with more protection than your bank will. You know, with a debit card, somebody can actually drain your account before you realize that the right. money's gone. Right. And it's harder for the bank to replace your money than it is for a credit card company to dispute a charge and not pay for those charges because there's that lag. Right. Right. So they can say, hey, right. this is not a, it's not a real or it's a bogus uh, transaction, so we're not going to pay for it. And that's the beauty of that. You have a little bit of safety. But bottom line, just keep an eye on your finances. Yeah. Look at your credit score. Get a credit report about every three to four months by going to the different credit bureaus. You know, Don't get them all at once because they talk to each other. So a lot of the information is exactly the same. So just space it out and go to annualcreditreport.com and get, get that report and stay yep. on top of it. Yeah, that's what I do is every four months, mm-hmm. I'll get a different one. So uh, there's Equifax, there's TransUnion, and there's Experian. Mm-hmm. And so January, I'll get Equifax. And then four months later, either in mid to late April or in May, I'll mm-hmm. go and get the TransUnion one. And yep. then four or five months later, sometime in August, September, maybe October, I'll grab the one from, uh, what I don't notice that already, but TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, I'll grab the other one. Yep. 
And then the next year, I'll start again in January. And over time, I can see exactly what's being reported. And if there's any major issues or anything has changed, it's not me, then I'm going to go ahead and clean it up and deal with it. So the best thing you can do is continue your education in this area. And the best place to continue your education is to jump onto leosabo.com, look at the show notes from today, and then go to the podcast and look at the previous podcast. If you look at episode 10 and you can begin to learn all about the FICO score and then step into 11, 12, 13, 14 on investing. But I love 10 because it talks about your FICO score, how to improve it, what it looks like. If you will create a budget using the tools on Leo's website, leosabo.com, under the resources tab, then you'll be consistently looking at what you're spending how much is coming in, how much is going out. Mm-hmm. And so every month, like Leo, every couple days. Uh, for Ashley and I, every month we sit down together, but it's more than once a month. It's a couple times a month where I'll go in and just make sure the accounts are okay. Not not even just looking for issues. All I'm doing is monitoring, making sure our spending's okay, making yeah. sure there's nothing unexpected in there, uh, making sure the money's been moving appropriately. So it's, it's just consistently being aware and managing what is in your accounts uh, that matters. So look at leosabo.com. If you want to uh, look from an eternal perspective mm-hmm. and you want to add some uh, biblical theology into this, look at stewardshippastors.com yeah. and begin to check out the book, Jesus on Money, and talk about the eternal safety. You know, look at look at this protection, not just from an ephemeral, <laughs> not just from a short term, but what does it look like for to have eternal savings, uh, to have eternal friendships and relationships. So check out Jesus on Money go to the resources tab. Uh, You can link back to old episodes of the podcast. You can go to articles that we've written and videos. We've got videos that'll walk you through budgeting, debt reduction, and savings. Uh, And then great stuff on generosity and financial planning and what it looks like to leave a legacy. So check out stewardshippastors.com. Spend some time with us there. We're just so grateful that you have been listening. We have these audio questions We've had people phone in. We've had people leave audio voice memos and text them to us, email them to us, send them in social media. When you let us know that you're listening, it means so much. So thank you for posting on social media. Thank you for um, sending things to us because it lets us know how engaged you guys are as an audience. Please, if you haven't had a chance, give it a five-star rating in the Apple uh, iTunes store or on CastBox or Spotify, wherever you're listening, add the like button or add a comment if you can. That way we can see and interact and we'd love to see what's going on there. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we we can can keep getting getting money money right. Just keep an eye on your finances. Yeah. Look at your credit score. Get a credit report about every three to four months by going to the different credit bureaus. You know, don't get them all at once because they talk to each other. So a lot of the information is exactly the same. So just space it out and go to annualcreditreport.com and get get that report and stay on top of it. Yeah.